Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Last week we kicked off the series in James, and if you are here with us, um, I'm going to quick, sorry to uh, repeat myself if you weren't here then, just to give you an overview, James uh, is writing to the church that is scattered in the Roman Empire. Now James was one of the key leaders, if not the key pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And because of persecution, the church, the Christian believers are scattered. And uh, they scattered to different parts of the Roman Empire. But James, who has pastored and discipled this group, this church, still has a passion and heart for them. And so he writes to them. And he writes wisdom. James is unique in the New Testament in its form and its style. It's very much like the Old Testament Proverbs. It's written in wisdom style. And basically, James is saying, I want you to know how to live a life of faith in the context of where you live, in the context of persecution, trial, and suffering. So he says, he kicks off, we saw this last week, consider it pure joy. It's like verse two, straight up, off the bat, consider it pure joy. Brothers, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trial of every kind. And he's saying, listen, you are going to experience trial in your faith and you should see it, consider it as something good. Why? And we looked at this last week. Why? Because it reveals your faith. You know, when you go through trial, there's something, it, it reveals what you believe. It reveals your faith. Secondly, it strengthens your faith. And thirdly, James said, as we journey through that, if you struggle in this, then God actually wants to give you wisdom so that you can continue in your faith. See, wisdom sits between what you believe and what you do. Wisdom sits between your faith and your action. How are we to live? And that's what James is talking about. He's writing to this church These churches are saying, I want you to live with faith. I I want you to live with confidence. I want you to be good disciples. Why? Because you are in context where the culture is seeking to form you and shape you, or, or may I say deform you in certain ways. And the reason that James was relevant then as it is today is because we live in a context in a society and culture which is seeking to form or deform us in certain ways. And so when we journey through this book, we, we want wisdom because wisdom helps us live a life of discipleship, live a life that is in the way of Jesus in order that we may shine like the stars in a culture, that our lives may be distinct and different to those around us. As Dallas Willard says, he says, if we do not make formation in Christ the priority, as James writes to the church and and as we need to take hold of as well, then we're just going to keep on producing Christians that are indistinguishable in their character from many non-Christians. And hey, I've heard it many times. I've had many conversations with people who say, I'm not interested in Jesus because when I look at Christians, they're just hypocrites. What a tragedy. If we're called to be Christians, we're called to live a life that is distinguishable. That is different. And James writes and he says, this is the way to live the Christian life. And the big prayer as I've been sitting in this second part of chapter one, which I'm gonna read in a moment, and you're gonna see some of these themes, a big prayer that's been sitting in my heart. It's kind of like the idea for us tonight is this. Let me read it to you. Dear God, grant me the discipline to listen 
and the courage to love. It's been my prayer spilled out on my journal as I've been reading this. Dear God, grant me the discipline to listen and the courage to love. So get your Bibles. We're going to read this. We're going to unpack this tonight. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 17. Grab your digital device. The words will be going on screen behind me as well. And we'll be working through this passage. This is what James says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Saying, hey, you need to underline what I'm about to say because this is important. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I don't know if you've ever found yourself uh, at a friend's house over a meal with other friends or maybe out at a restaurant where conversations are taking place between different people and as you're having a great time, the conversations get louder, perhaps some people laugh, you've got Liz in the room and there's great joy and excitement and laughter and the volume gets louder and louder and you find yourself, as you're talking to that person, you just can't hear them anymore. You ever found that? The din gets so noisy, if everyone gets so loud, it kind of like a competition. Um, you don't mean it to be, but it just the excitement grows. And so in that moment, you've kind of got to make a decision. I need to lean in here if I'm going to be able to hear the other person talk. You've actually got to concentrate. You've got to focus. You've got to listen. There's a choice involved. You can either dial in or dial out. You know, we listen to what we believe is important, don't we? You know, if it's worth listening to, then we will listen and we'll actually make a choice. We will lean in, we'll dial in. We listen to that which we believe is most important. And we live in a culture that is really noisy. We live in a noisy culture You know, we live in a culture that is filled with information, it's filled with news items, it's filled with opinions, all telling us what we should believe and how we should live. Like, you know, I turn the news on these days and I'm never quite sure if I'm getting the truth or if I'm getting some curated opinion. You see, we live in an age and a time where we are bombarded with opinions. And these opinions act as authorities. They tell us what we should think, how we should live, and what we should do. There's a noise about it. There's external opinions. And these opinions 
And I think this is new in our culture. These opinions are seen as authorities. Everyone has got an opinion, right? And everybody has an authority to say, share their opinion. Megan and I were watching a documentary just this week um, of a, a woman called Belle Gibson. I don't know if anyone's heard of Belle Gibson, but she's actually from Brisbane. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but that's, she's, she's from there. And um, she concocted, she created this whole life. It was a lie, really. Uh, where she claimed that she had cancer and then she was pursuing this whole wellness lifestyle. She created these recipes and these uh, beautiful you know, pictures and ways, ways to live. It kind of, she kicked off on Instagram and then uh, she created her own app with Apple and it took off. It was huge, massive. But she had absolutely no credentials and she didn't, she wasn't sick. The whole thing was made up. And there were millions and millions of people around the world listening to this Belle Gibson and her opinions as if it was authority. You know, we live in a world full of noisy opinions. Let me just warn you, I know you know this, but be very careful with what you listen to. Don't find yourself in an echo chamber. Don't just listen to one source of news. Don't just follow one news feed. Be aware of the opinions that are around you, the things that are being presented to you, the things that are being presented to, uh, to, to your life, forming your life. The challenge is, is that within the midst of all this noise, we're told that our own opinions are also of great importance and value. Now, we are all, you know, we can have our opinions, but, you know, sometimes we think, well, it's my opinion, therefore it is truth. With all these different opinions, with all these different truth claims, the result of all this, I think, as we observe our culture today, is we see one of increasing anger and increasing uh, lack of understanding. You know, we're not having healthy dialogue. If there are two different opinions that oppose one another, then there is no way to mediate. We've looked at this in the past few months, but the reality is, is that two competing truth claims don't, don't really connect. And when we've got all these different opinions and, and truth claims, we see that there is no way of finding a way forward to have civil conversation. The temperature goes up in the conversation. The heat gets into the conversation. And we've got no mechanisms as a culture, as a society, to actually have helpful dialogue, helpful conversation. And as a result, we live, live in a noisy culture that leads to an angry culture. We see that, right? We see that as we look around. And the thing is, it's our inability to listen it's our, our, our inability to, to take on board other people because our own opinion is most important that leads to anger, that divides and fractures our society. And James understands this. As we read in this, this first chapter here, we see that James understands that it's this posture, it's this dialogue that leads to anger. It's self-righteousness. It's self-importance that gives rise to anger, to temper, that leads to ugliness. It, it leads to this sense of being out of control. And ultimately, it's destructive. 
And so James says, as he writes to the churches there that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, he says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and therefore slow to become angry. James says, hurry up hearing, slow down speaking. Hurry up hearing, slow down speaking. You know, rather than being in a hurry up to hear and being slow to speak, I know for me, and I think for many of us, we're in a hurry to speak and we're slow to listen. Uh, I, I had a, a bit of a drama. This was evident to me, actually, this week. On Friday, uh, I was in a hurry, like we all can find ourselves in. Now, um, maybe not many of you can relate to this yet, but um, there is, there is a, a moment in your life, there's a season in your life if you have kids when they go to school where the most stressful part of the day is the 30 minutes before you get to school. Like we, we've all, we all know this, right? For if we remember back to getting to school, there, it's hectic, particularly for a parent. And on Friday, Megan had an, an early meeting uh, with the teacher at the school, and so it was my responsibility to, to get the kids ready and to get them to school. Now, I'll just be honest for a moment, Megan had still done most of the work. Uh, um, and she'd made the lunches, which was amazing, and all I needed to do was make sure that the kids actually were dressed, uh, that they looked like they were supposed to. They, they made their way to the car with their bags, and then we got them to school on time. But it's a Amazing how difficult that can be at times. I mean, the tension was rising as I was watching the clock. And can I tick down to the time that we had to leave? And then there was drama because one of our girls couldn't find her uniform and I was angry at her because she just had a uniform on the floor and now it was gone. And then she started crying and we're searching the whole house. The temperature, I'm getting more hurry and I'm angry. And then we realized that one of the, my other girls was wearing her uniform and that's why she couldn't find it. And so I had to apologize to that one and then tell that one off. It was an absolute debacle. Then I had to get them. We fight. We managed to get, um, got them in the car. And then Jacob, who's not even ready to go to school yet, he's still in one of those kind of buckle in. It's amazing. You'll learn this. But when you're in a hurry, those buckles never go in. It's kind of like, get in there. Anyway, we managed to get the open the gap, reverse out, and then pull out. And then a car pulled out in front of me. I was furious. I, you know, and I knew the whole there was a check moment in me as I sped up and just kind of tailgated that person just to let them know I was angry. You know, it's like absolutely useless. And the Lord said, Andrew, just be careful. But I didn't listen to the Spirit, unfortunately, in that moment. I managed to get the kids to school and I picked up Megan, but my, my blood pressure was still pretty high. On Fridays, it's supposed to be a bit more of a relaxed, nice day. And every Friday morning, we, we go out for a coffee, uh, Megan and I, with Jacob in tow. And, uh, but but my, my, as we drove, it's only the coffee, our favorite coffee place, only five minutes away. And my blood pressure is still high. And then Megan decides to open up a massive conversation about something. And so I'm in a hurry and I'm distracted. And uh, as we, we, we're about 100 meters away from the coffee shop and I, and I turn left and, I, and I'm about to get my car parked and I look in the rear view mirror and I see lights flashing. There's a police car behind me and I turn to Meg and I go, what have I done? 
I haven't done anything. And she goes, I don't know what you've done. I said, it can't be me. But they kept following me. And so it is me. And so I pulled over and the officer got out. He came over to me and said, sir, do you realize that you failed to fully stop at a stop sign just over there? And I said, no, I didn't. He said, did you know it was a stop sign? Why didn't you stop? I said, well, I'm not sure. I I was talking to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Said, who he said, I've got evidence of it. It's on camera that you failed to come to a complete stop at the stop sign and uh, we're going to have to write you out a ticket. I'd like to say in that moment that I responded with great godliness and the way that I should honour every person who is a law enforcement there, Joel. And, uh, but I didn't. I, I didn't. You know, there was not love pouring from my heart. I tried to justify my position to the police officer, but there was not much I could do because he had camera evidence. And I trusted him uh, because I was both in a hurry and distracted. I've got to tell you, that was probably our worst coffee date. I, I, was, I, was, I was not forgiving that officer very quickly. I, I was going through in my mind all the ways in which I, the things I should have said, you know, all the things as this anger came out in me. And uh, it was ungodly anger. And then I sat down to do my sermon prep. And, and then the Lord, Lord spoke to me. We want to honour our police officers and those who uphold our law enforcement. They do a great job. And I am, cert- I am certainly guilty of that. And I will affirm you a little bit later on, Joel. Don't worry. Here's the thing. Is that, that when we're in a hurry and when we're distracted, we fail to love well. You know, we, we find when it comes to speaking to others that, that hurriness, we're in a hurry to be heard. And here's what I've, I've realized as I've reflected on my own life is that hurry is actually a sign of worry. Hurry is a sign of worry. And when we're quick to speak, when we're in a hurry to speak, often it's because we're insecure. Often it's because we are, we're feeling like we need to defend our opinion. We need to argue our position and we get reactive. We feel like we need to be heard. We, need, we feel that like our position needs to be stated clearly. And as I've reflected on my own life, I'm in a hurry to speak when I'm actually worried about who I am and what I believe. Often this comes out in conversations with my family. My family is quite robust in the way in which we converse and talk. We share our opinions. And I've seen that, that when I'm actually insecure in my own beliefs, when I'm insecure in who I am, I am far quicker to speak and I'm far quicker to become defensive. You see, hurry is often a sign of worry. If you find yourself being quick to speak, Perhaps you need to ask the question, why? We're also at times slow to listen. And I reckon the reason that we're slow to listen is because we are distracted. There are other things going on in our world, and I know this in my relationship with Megan. If I'm distracted, I'm not good at listening. Why? Because true listening takes work. And we're being trained as people, and you need to be this as an emer- be aware of this as an emerging generation growing up in a world of digital technology, that it's far easier to dial out and look at your phone. In fact, your brain 
is being formed and shaped in ways in which you just go to the easiest thing. It's much easier to look for advice. It's much easier to go to a, to a YouTube clip or go to Netflix than it is to actually, it's easy, easy to do that than have a tough conversation, to actually engage in a conversation with others. And we need to be aware that distraction is actually stopping our ability to listen. We're learning, we're losing the discipline of listening. David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock in their book, Faith for Exiles, makes this observation. Many of us today turn to our devices to help us make sense of the world. Young people especially use the screens in their pockets as counsellors, entertainers, instructors, even sex educators. Why build up the courage to have what will likely be an awkward conversation with a parent, pastor or teacher when you can just ask your phone and no one else will be the wiser? You see, James understands that we struggle to listen. We struggle to listen because we are defensive and we are distracted. But in this, James says, you need to stop. You need to pause. You need to be in a hurry to listen. Listen to others. Spend time listening to others, James says, but not just listen to others. Listen to God's word. Stop, pause, and listen to God's word because this is where wisdom is found. How? How do we forge this discipline to listen? How do we discipline ourselves to attentively engage with others and with God's word? Well, James actually gives us two things that we can do. Really quickly, we find them in verse 21. Therefore, he writes, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. There's two things here that James points out. First one is humbly accept the word. I said this last week and I may say it again into the future because it comes in in the, in the, in the, the, the letter of James. It's humility. If you want to learn how to listen, then you need to humble yourself because you are not going to listen to people unless you are willing to humble yourself and say, that person has value. That person has something to say to me. And so often we're proud and we think we don't need to hear anymore. I've, I've watched all the videos. You know, I've done my university degree. I'm now 23 years old. I've experienced life. I'm there. Well, I've got some news for you. You can be 63, you can be 93, and you've still got things to learn. See, humility is the way in which we learn, where we, we posture ourselves to truly listen and say, I have got things to hear from others, and I've certainly got things to hear from God's Word. The, 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 the Proverbs writer says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the fear of the Lord, there is not like runaway, scared fear of the Lord. It's a, the Lord is almighty. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is creator. The Lord is great. I will fear the Lord. I will honor the Lord. The Lord has something to say to me. That is the beginning of wisdom. You want to learn the discipline of listening, then you need to be humble. Humility says, I have always got things to learn. The second thing that James says here is that we are to humbly accept the word that is planted in you. God's word has been given. Now, James has been there from the beginning. 
He's pastored this church. He knows that God's word has been proclaimed to them, that there's been something that's gone into their hearts, that's been sown into them. Now, I'm, I'm not much of a, a horticulturalist, but I know that gardening takes time. And James is using this analogy, he's using a planting analogy to say, you need patience. If you want to learn the discipline of listening, then it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Now, whilst I am not a gardener, I do know that, that if I planted a tomato plant seed in the ground one day, I'm not going to wake up the next morning and go, where's the tomatoes? It takes time. It takes watering, it takes cultivation, it takes work, it takes season, it takes sunlight. There are a whole bunch of factors to see that seed rise up through the, through the soil to become a plant, to create a, a vine where a little then tomatoes, little green things begin to grow until they ripen and they become red and, and then they're beautiful to eat. That doesn't happen overnight. James is saying the word that has been planted in you needs cultivation. It takes time. It takes repetition. It takes work. It takes effort. Listening, the discipline of listening is something that is cultivated over time. And I want to say to us is it's something that cultivates our hearts. It cultivates our formation, our behavior. It cultivates our brain. I do think that this is an issue for us. I think we are losing the ability to listen. We are losing the ability to pay attention. You know, I talk to, talk to people of, of all ages and, and, and they say, oh, I just can't read the Bible. Or, I find it too hard to listen to the Bible. It's just, it's too hard. I think one of the real challenges is that we're being deformed in different ways. And God wants to form us in new ways in order that we can listen well so that we can get wisdom. James says it. We need to learn to pause. We need to learn to be patient. Because as we're patient, as we work at things, as we choose the daily choice of spending time in God's Word, allowing Him to speak to us, as we spend time... You know, in the daily practice of prayer, then we're allowing God to speak to us. I had someone come up to me a number of years ago and say, Andrew, I'm struggling to hear God's voice. I asked him, well, are you spending time? I said, well, no, not really. I haven't done a quiet time in years. I said, well, maybe you should start there. Actually create time. And as you do, you cultivate the discipline of listening. James says, hurry up hearing. Slow down speaking, learn the discipline to listen. But he doesn't stop there. Listening is not just a discipline that we receive. It's not just a, a conversation that we have with God. It must then turn into action. Listening is to act. To listen is to act. So James goes on in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then he gives the analogy of someone looking in a mirror. Anyone who looks, listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately, uh, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, the mirrors back then weren't as good as they are today, but still, you know, he's using this, you know, almost, it's ludicrous. He's saying, who would do that? Who would look into a mirror and then after looking, go away and have no concept of what they look like. I know that wouldn't happen for us today. 
You know, we're, we're the king of selfies. You know, we, we know what we look like. You know, there are some times when we, we look in the mirror and we miss something. I know that. Like, there have been times where I haven't looked properly in the mirror and I've missed a part shaving. Then I've come back at the end of the day and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was, I, I, I missed that. But how did I do that? And, you know, maybe some of you women, you've, you've kind of missed part when you've been putting makeup on. I, don't, I wouldn't know that, that you know, that's, that's not my world. But maybe, maybe you do. I'm not quite sure. But to, to actually walk away and forget what you look like, well, that's ludicrous. And James is intentionally being ludicrous. But James is also digging at a deeper point. He's using the analogy of a mirror, but, but it's, it's far deeper than that. See, he's saying that the mirror that we look at is God's word. And when we look into God's word, there is something that is revealed that we cannot forget. And this is life-giving. We need to get hold of this. See, when we look in the mirror of God's word, we see something profound. Firstly, we see who we are. Looking back at us when we look into God's word as we see ourselves, we see our faces, we see our life. We see that we have been made in the image of God. We have been made on purpose for a purpose. When we look into God's word, we find that actually we are loved, that we've been created, that God has come for us, that he loves us. When we look into God's word, there is something revealed about who we are. And if we get hold of that, it changes everything. But here's the other thing. It's the moral view as some theologians call it, is when we look into the mirror of God's word, we also see how broken we are. See, we, we hold up God's perfect word. We see the law and we can look through the Old Testament. You can journey through the people of Israel as they're given the God's holy law. We see that, that time and time again, the people of Israel cannot uphold the law. See, when we look into God's word as a mirror, we, we are confronted. It's a confronting thing. It's a humbling thing to see actually that there is something broken about us, that we have failed, that there is something that, that we need to fix. And James says, if you look at this, both the, the amazing intrinsic value of who we are, but also the fallenness of who we are, the gaps in us, and walk away and go, I've forgotten all of that, then you are a fool. The wise person understands, understands as they, as they look into God's word that there is, there is something to be done, there is something to be corrected. There is something to be altered. There is something to be worked on. There is an action that needs to be put in place. This is a challenging thing, and this is why I think people don't ask for wisdom, because we don't want to hear the truth. But when we look into God's mirror and we see the truth, it challenges us, but it also forces us deeper. And, and, and if we can get, I want you to get hold of this. If we're willing to look at the truth, as challenging as it might be, we will become far more self-reflective. We will become far more self-aware. We'll become far more wise. And if we can get this, I tell you, it's a gift for our culture. Now, if you can become a person who does this well, who invites others to speak into your life and allows God's word to critique you, you will be blessed. Let me tell you that if you read God's word and don't find yourself disagreeing with it, or, you, or if you read God's word and, and you find that it doesn't challenge you, then perhaps you're reading it on your terms. God's word should challenge us. And our choice is, are we going to humble ourselves and listen to it? 
But that's not the end of the story. See, James goes on to say that, that as we look into the mirror, it's good news. It's good news. See, God's word, he says, God's word leads to freedom. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives, free, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There is freedom when we look into God's holy law. Why? Because we understand why we've been created. See, freedom is not about doing whatever we want. That's not good news. Can you imagine if on Friday morning, Everybody was driving like Andrew Serkham. Everyone was driving through stop signs and driving through red lights. There would be chaos, there would be destruction, there would be disorder. That is why we have the police. That is why we have the law, because the law actually gives us freedom to live. It's a good thing. And as I read this and I've been going through this passage, I've been saying, God, will you just remind me again that this is a good thing, that, that the law is there, it's a good thing, it liberates us. See, freedom is not about doing whatever we want. Freedom is about doing what we are created for, what God has designed us for. And even though we fall short of the mark, as we look at God's word and we see his holy law and go, we cannot uphold that. That's not the end of the story. And we cover this last series in a better story. But the truth is, is it's not the end that Jesus has, has come. God himself has come down and fulfilled what we could not fulfill. That is part of God's word. In fact, it is God's word made manifest in human form. Jesus Christ, as John 1 said, is the word. It's the word made flesh. Jesus has come down and when we look into God's word, we see that we have been redeemed by God. It's a liberating story. It's a story of life. If we're willing to look into it, we, we will find liberation and freedom. If we're just willing to pause and stop and to listen and we own it, we receive his love. That's the good news. That's the liberating news. To look into, into the mirror is to receive back from God a liberating, freeing love. And as we walk in it, as we walk with obedience, as we listen and then act on it, as we take hold of it, we are then moved to love. See, to listen is to act with love. We must because we've received love, because God has done so much for us. And so James goes on to say, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, once we know we're loved, we're free to love others. This changes everything. See, when we are, when we are liberated to love, we're no longer defensive and we're no longer distracted. See, when we're filled with love, we can be for the other. When we're filled with love, we don't need to enter into a conversation, no matter how antagonistic or aggressive it may be. We don't need to go in with a defensive posture. We don't need to come back with anger. We can come as a person who's looked into the mirror, who knows who they are and comes back with love that diffuses a situation. I wanna ask you, when you're in your workplace or university with your family or your friends, are you that person of peace? Are you that person who knows that they're completely secure in the arms of God? You've looked in the mirror, you've listened, 
and you're okay with who you are because what God says over you. And so you don't need to be defensive. You don't need to be argumentative for argument's sake. You can come and you can be present. You can look at the other person and say, I love you. And so whatever I say to you, my heart and my hope is that you will flourish and that you will be blessed. See, that's what Jesus did for us. And that's the posture that James wants us to have. He wants the church to have. See, when we truly listen well, we are moved to act with love, which means that we're unhurried. We're not defensive. We're not distracted. We're not angry. And we're filled with grace. That is the posture of a person who is willing to listen with discipline and, to have the, and has the courage to love. And God invites every one of us to do that. And so I find myself praying this week, Lord, grant me the discipline to listen and the courage to love. Lord, grant me the discipline to listen and the courage to love. I don't know what your story is. I don't know if you struggle with anger. But as James says, if there is anger in your heart, or if there are things that stir up in you, then perhaps you have got a problem in looking in the mirror and God perhaps wants to say some new things to you about who you are. You need to listen to Him. I'd love for us tonight, we're gonna respond in a different way and I wonder what your prayer is. We've put out uh, on each seat, I'm sure you've, you've seen it or you're sitting on it. You've seen these booklets, which uh, we, uh, we forgot to hand out last week. And these, these you can take with you. They're also available online. They're just kind of, they're, they're, used, they're um, used in our life groups. But you, can, you can use them just as a, your own resource, perhaps to cultivate that space and that time with God. And don't get distracted too much by it now, please. I don't want to lose the moment. But perhaps, and we've put out pens as well. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Perhaps in the, in the front part here or in another space that you can find, I'd love for you to write your prayer. In response to tonight, what is your prayer? What would you like God to do in your life? Maybe, maybe your first step is saying, God, will you help me be humble? Lord God, will you just show me who you are? Maybe there's a person that you need to be praying for. Maybe there's a situation that you need to be praying for. Maybe it's work colleagues that you need to be praying for. What is your prayer? What do you, got, what do you want God to do in your life? Are there decisions that you need to make? And so as the team play over us, grab the pen, grab, grab your paper, or maybe you wanna tap it out on your phone if that's gonna be more helpful to you. However you wanna do that, take this time right now, say, and just take some time and write out your prayer. What is your prayer to God tonight? We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.